Well, what's up, folks? It is Friday Eve, Thursday night. It is episode 40. Seems like a minor or a, yes, a small milestone, but we are at episode 40. And I thank you, the viewers, for tuning in each and every week. We appreciate it. Of course, we're on 730 Live every Thursday during the off season, unless something changes, which we'll post it on our website at broadstreetsouth.com. Of course, it's broadstsouth.com. So we thank you for joining us tonight. And tonight we're going to do something a little bit differently than we, we we always end up doing throughout the week. So we like to change up the show every once in a while from time to time. When we figured now would be a great time at episode 40 to do something new. And at first, as far as when it comes to a live show podcast. So hopefully you will enjoy this. I will queue up our DJ here. And I want to just give you a little show tune of what the DJ can do. So uh, DJ, if you don't mind. Start the show off for us. DJ Pink Brizzy in the mix. So, you guys have been listening to DJ Bing Brizzy. Thank you, DJ, for coming on. Of course, we appreciate you starting off the show with the music. Everyone else, stay tuned in as we will get the show here underway. 
Thank you. Whoops, as I, soon as I end up putting up myself back on the screen here, there I am. So everyone tune in and we'll start the show right now. I'm Angel. This is Broad Street South. All right, so everybody for a little technical delay there, unfortunately, when it came to the different screens. So tonight, it is an action-packed show. Of course, we do have on the show this evening, Mike K from NewJersey.com, also the Eagles beat reporter for the NewJersey.com. I should insert that first. And the co-host of the No Huddle Show. So Mike will be joining us here momentarily. Of course, we will have Nicholas Lisi with us, our beat writer. He's come back for a second time. I know you guys really appreciate him being on last week, so we're bringing him back as well. And Mike Sherman, the professor, the juru, and filling in for the once again on location, Mike Fuji will be Ryan Neff. So I'll bring everybody on. Everybody hang on for a great show tonight. Of course, we cannot forget the major sponsor of the show. We do appreciate their hospitality is Fans of Philly. Visit fansofphilly.com through broadtreesouth.com, fansofphilly.com for any traveling needs that you need for the Flyers, Sixers, upcoming Eagle season, and even in Phillies where they have two games scheduled to go up to Yankees, up to New York Yankees, and of course the Boston Red Sox. So let's get the show on the way. Of course, I will bring on here as soon as I find it, which I always end up throwing on all over the place, the Professor Sherman. So, Sherman, again, you know, we thank you, sir, for coming off a of spring break. We know, once again, we got to bother you for just a little bit. And by the way, we're looking mighty young this evening. It seems like something's changed. Yep. I decided to uh, introduce Mr. Razor to my face. And I just want to let you know tonight, the number of the night is the number four. And I'll tell you why. We are four weeks away until the NFL draft. We're officially in the fourth month. Number four, Scott Kingery was sent down to the minors for the Philadelphia Phillies. And oh yeah, for you NCAA basketball fans out there, the final four is set. Is anybody going to beat the Gonzaga undefeated team of this year? Anybody? We shall see. That We shall see indeed. So it's going to be interesting. We'll get into NCAA talk a little bit later on. Of course, there's a lot going on both on the male and the women's side. We can't forget about the women as well, but there's... A lot of good matchups coming up here this upcoming weekend. We shall see what's going to happen here with the Final Four. And, of course, filling in, <clears throat> pardon me for losing the voice there a little bit, Ryan Neff, who is visiting, and, and Fuji will be back. He is in Alaska for those. Again, we mentioned it on the Tuesday Night Audio Podcast. If you guys didn't download it Wednesday, please go back to BroadStreetSouth.com. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And he is in Alaska because they're trying to get a field hockey team together, so we sent him out there on assignment. He will be back by next week. So, Ryan, thanks again for joining us tonight. We do appreciate it. Oh, can you hear me now? Now I can hear yeah. you. Oh, okay. Mike was muted. Sorry about that. How the hell is everybody, especially since your Philly is one today? Oh, we're fantastic, and the Pirates are 1-0 as well. So, you never know. <laughs> Could be the NLCS. Yeah. <laughs> That it should be. And of course, tonight as well, we have, as I mentioned just a couple seconds ago, and I will bring up his Twitter handle here so everyone can, whoops, as long as I do the share screen, and then I can actually bring him up. So this is the, the joy of things that can go goofy. Of course, 
<clears throat> Mike K, the Philadelphia Eagles beats reporter from NewJersey.com and co-host of the No Huddle Show that can be found on iTunes. Click on the link and you can find the show on iTunes. He does an excellent job. As I was describing to Mike off air before we went on air here, <clears throat> the best way to describe his show is he can get you pumped up, but it's so mellow that you want to just jump up and say, man, he made a good point, but um, where's my glass of wine and or my beer? Because I'm feeling really mellow at this point. So without further ado, we will bring on the man himself. Mike, how are you this evening? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Not a problem whatsoever. And and again, it's not because you're on here with us. As I say to you off air before we went on air here, and I see the comments I'll be getting to you guys momentarily here and girls. Um, very good job on your podcast. I, I like, I enjoy it. Your co-host as well. I mean, you guys do an extra job going back and forth. Um, the emergency podcast, which is, I think it was like 19 minutes long, if I remember correctly, <clears throat> like real quick, but to the point, as you described that we should have been talking about, I believe it was Anthony Harris. Did you mention on your podcast mm. and things went kind of crazy because the Eagles ended up making a blockbuster deal. So I guess to kind of start off there. Oh, and before I forget, because I do have him waiting in the background, Mike, it's also our beat report I want to add here. Nicholas Lisi. Nick, how are you? I'm doing great, fellas. Thank you so much for having me on. I can't wait for a great show. Not a problem. So, Mike, getting back to you as far as we know that, that the Eagles ended up adding the free safety Anthony Harris, which we, we knew that was kind of like the bigger splash the Eagles were going to end up doing here. Um, kind of surprising, but not kind of surprising. But, again, was supposed to be the big name, not Joe Flacco. But, hey, we can talk about Joe as well. <laughs> But then the news drops, and then the Eagles decide to move down to 13. So what can we expect with and, – and I don't want to give away as far as when it came to your podcast, but what can we expect now with the Eagles? Because we, we thought it was going to be with Kyle Pitts as far as a pick. But there's a gentleman that I have a clip you know, locked up here, and the first initial starts with Jay, in which we know is Jeremiah. Do we believe that the Eagles went down to 13 to possibly land Jeremiah? Jeremiah, I'm sorry. Yeah. So I'm sorry. So, uh, oh, what is his complete name? Jeremiah Owen. Oh, Jeremiah. Oh, J let's let's call him J. Okay. Let's, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, they actually went to twelve, but yeah. Um, 12, yes. No, I do not believe that they they did that specifically for him. I mean, I, I think it's kind of hard to project the the board that far down. But but the main reason why you saw them trade back is look. 2021 is going to be an incomplete uh, fact-finding mission for a lot of teams. You've got a lot of players who had to opt out of the season, in the college season. Scouts haven't been on campus in over a year. There's not a lot of opportunities to get some fact-finding in person. Pro days have been limited attendance. There's no combine. We missed out on Indy this year. So, the, so as I said on the podcast, it's kind of a minefield for mistakes you're going to miss probably more in this year than you probably would in another year because the medicals aren't as, as decisive. The the character issues aren't, aren't as well documented. It's much easier to avoid or deflect a question in a Zoom interview than it is to do so in a one-on-one -on -one interview at the Combine. And so when you're looking at 2022, having a better understanding, hopefully college football will be back uh, everything will be back to normal. The Atlanta Falcons just mentioned that they're going to play in London this year. So there is this thought process from the league that once things get back to normal, 2022 is going to be a big deal because it'll be the first off season in two years where you're going to have a full off season. You're going to have this full fact finding in front of you. And maybe teams are going to be able to, 
find more value next year than in this year. They also saw that the offense of this class is going to push a ton of really good defensive players into that 11 to 20 range. And so if you have five quarterbacks going in the first 10 picks, uh, maybe three wide receivers and then two offensive linemen, well, from 11 to 20, you're looking at cornerbacks like Patrick Sertan and and J.C. Horn. You're looking at Jeremiah O'Kay, as you mentioned him. You're you're talking about – Michael Parsons, you're talking about all of these really good defensive players. And when you look at the way this, this roster is completed, if Jonathan Gannon, the new defensive coordinator, wants to change things up and put, move that into Mike Zimmer's image, they're going to have to make a lot of changes on defense as well. All right. Uh, Sherman? I'll... Mike, you talked about the lack of teams in the NFL being able to hit on their pick the deeper that they go in the first round. And I get it that the Eagles have so many holes to fill. But wouldn't that be more motivation for the Eagles to stay put at six to get that definitive corner piece for the puzzle that they need, whether they decided to go with one of the two wide receivers from LSU in Alabama or Kyle Pitts rather than trading back to 12? I think what they saw was that the value from six to 12 in, as far as talent wasn't that far off. Also, when you can get a future first-round pick for going back six picks ahead of the draft, that's a smart move because when you look at what the Eagles have right now, they have three, they have four picks in the top 100. They can easily trade back up, by the way. They, they're, I don't think they're going to pick at 12. I think they're either going to trade back to get more picks or they're going to trade up if somebody like Jamar Chase falls or Kyle Pitts falls. But here's the thing. Everybody's assuming that Kyle Pitts – and Jamar Chase would make it to six. That's almost not going to happen, okay? The Falcons definitely have a lot of interest in Kyle Pitts. He makes a lot of sense for them at four. Arthur Smith's a former tight ends coach. And then when you look at five, the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, I mean, recreate the magic there. So if both those guys are off the board, and you're like, well, I'm forced into either picking Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddell, and nobody's trying to trade up with me. I'm not getting the value that I want, right? So the, the way they looked at this is – so, okay, this is a great – Thomas, get that out of your mind. Get that out of your mind. The Cowboys have won three playoff games in 25 years. The Giants have been one of the worst drafting teams in the league for the last three. They have the worst record in the league of the last three years. It doesn't matter. You've got to make your team better. Uh, and the Eagles are set up in 2022 to really contend. They're going to have a lot of cap space. Uh, they're hopefully going to develop some of these players. They hired coaches with a lot of development experience and a lot of defensive coaches with scouting experience. So that helps them on on that end. When you look at the Doug Peterson era, they got off to a fast start and then completely kerplopped because the staff couldn't develop anyone. So I, I think this is a different angle. I think a lot of us are looking at this within a within a lens of, hey, it's going to be more of the same from the same regime. This is a completely different group that has different strengths and weaknesses. All right. Ryan? Well, Mike, I mean, let's be honest. The only reason why they traded out of six is because they couldn't get Wilson up at number two. I mean, that that came out that they could not get the quarterback that they wanted, so that's why they traded out of that spot. So so you want me to, you I want just, me to squash that? What's that's that? not true. But well, that's that's the information that came out across the board. And so they, they 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 wanted Wilson. So 
So whoever leaked it should be shot. But I mean, if it, if it's not true, then it's not true. But that's the information that no, they I were saw. interested in him. They liked him. They didn't try to trade up for him though. There was discussions. Okay. It's not. But yeah, to your point. So go ahead. Sorry, didn't mean to. So it, it's. The, the conversation I was having with the fellows last week is when that information came out, it was almost like I was trying to, I was trying to explain that Jalen Hurts has almost become the Carson Wentz of this year because the other things that I've seen come out are the fact that people within the organization, plus the coach, aren't really sold on Hurts as a full-time starting quarterback. So... I try to tell the Juru Sherman that there's two scenarios now for them sitting at 12. Either they're stockpiled some picks so that they can trade up a little bit to try and target the guy that they really want if they don't think that he's going to fall, or they've stockpiled the picks, they drop back, and if it's not going the way they want it to go, they're going to try and trade out of that pick to garner even more picks for next year. Well, so yeah, I guess my, yeah. So I guess my – my question to you would be, is this a throwaway year? Obviously, to me, that's what I'm sensing. This, this is a throwaway year. And two, are they stockpiling all these draft picks to focus on the 2022 and 2023 seasons? So, first off, love your beard. Second off, <laughs> um, <laughs> so here, let's let's break this down, right, into everything we talked about, okay? Uh, Jalen Hurts, right? Uh, the Carson Wentz of this year, whatever, completely different scenarios in my opinion. So Jalen Hurts played for 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 better or worse four games. Looked good in game number one. Looked really good, albeit you know in a losing effort to the Cardinals in, in the second week. Looked terrible the week after. Looked good in the first half. Why on earth should anybody be sold on him as the starting quarterback? And this is coming from a guy who thinks they shouldn't draft a quarterback this year. I'm a believer that he should get a year to prove himself if you've invested that much in him. If you liked him that much to screw up what you had with Carson Wentz, which I'm not saying they presumed this was going to cause an issue, why not see what you can get out of him? Part of the reason why this team has failed Carson Wentz and Carson Wentz failed them is because they didn't properly build around him. This is a year to build around the quarterback position because the way they did it before didn't work. Right. So you had a coaching staff that couldn't develop wide receivers. You had a, you had a new wide receivers coach every single year. Um, you had a running backs coach who wanted a bigger role, didn't really handle the rotation very well. You had a bunch of injuries on the offensive line, which is the strength of your team. And that all kind of cascaded into this awfulness of last year. I think when you look at the Anthony Harris signing, to me, signing a 30-year-old free safety who just played on the franchise tag doesn't show me you're tanking. Signing Joe Flacco doesn't really show me you're tanking. I don't think they're tanking, but what I think they're doing is they're letting Jalen Hurts prove that he can be the guy, and if he can't, they've got a crap load of insurance for next year. So like we talked about earlier in the podcast, 2022, again, is a fact-finding mission compared to this year. 2023 as well, you're going to have the cap space in order to spend. They know they're not competing for a Super Bowl this year. That's a fact. That is a fact. So, yeah, maybe they can contend for a playoff spot. But if you're not contending for a Super Bowl, what are you doing? Uh, and to your point about Zach Wilson, let's say they did want to trade for him, right? 
if you can't get your guy, don't force the quarterback pick. That's the problem with a lot of these teams is they force the quarterback pick, then set themselves back for years. I mean, it's a lot better than a couple of like back in the Sam Bradford days where if you missed on a pick, you were financially like just like dead weighted to a guy. Now you can do what like Arizona did where they quit on Josh Rosen immediately and then went to Kyler Murray. That's fine. But realistically, for the Eagles, they haven't picked in the top five more than what? Like, I want to say three times in the last 15 years. Like, this is a team that has to see the value in, wow, we just failed Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, a guy that we drafted, we handpicked, we traded up for him, and we didn't build around him. And now we're going to ask the next guy to come in and do the same thing and just fail, especially when this offseason could be dealt with with COVID. I just don't see what the positive is there unless you love the guy. And so trading out to me said, Hey, at worst we view Jalen hurts as the third best quarterback in this draft, whether you agree with that or not. We also know that if we want Russell, speaking from the Eagles front office perspective, if they said to themselves, we would like the opportunity to grab Russell Wilson. If all this stuff clears out with Deshaun Watson, we can compete with basically anybody. They own the draft board next year if Carson Wentz leads the Colts to the playoffs or plays 75% of the snaps. So the possibility of having three first-round picks when you can potentially work the board in your favor is basically what they were trying to do there. I don't think Jalen Hurts is being set up like Carson Wentz. And what I will say is worrying about Jalen Hurts' feelings is a tad – misguided because he's not Carson Wentz. This is a guy who is, I wrote about it when he made his first start. He's a coffee bean. He affects everything around him. Everything around him doesn't affect him. His mindset is not, he, if you think he's reading articles and on and searching his name on Twitter, he's not doing that. That's not the type of guy he is. So here's my, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, here's my counter to that though. And I, I want you to explain it to me from the Eagles perspective. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're not sold on Wentz last year. They wouldn't have drafted Hurts. If they wouldn't have been sold on Hurts, I mean, if they, they're not sold on Hurts this year, or they wouldn't have showed interest in going to get to go get Wilson. That's that. That's my thing. That's why I'm they're trying to sold. say they're not. What's sold. that? They're not sold. Well, why should so they then, be sold? To, to me, he's a lame duck quarterback, just like Carson was last year. Not he. Not if he's. Not if he balls out. The reason why Carson Wentz was a lame duck quarterback, let me tell you something. They they did not want to make this trade. They did not want to make this trade. There were people in that building that were really upset about trading Carson Wentz. The reason why this discussion happened is because Carson played poorly. It's not because Jalen Hurts was this like complete linchpin of terribleness to this organization. If, J- if Carson Wentz puts up MVP numbers, we're not even talking about Jalen Hurts. They drafted Jalen Hurts because he was a cheap backup who, you know, you've got Carson Wentz who's got a history of injuries. Um, he's never won a playoff game. All this other stuff. He was insurance. They valued the quarterback position more than any team in the league. They drafted him. He was a cheap backup. You were about to enter the extension phase of Carson Wentz's contract, so you couldn't afford an expensive backup like you did with with uh, Josh McCown or, or Nick Foles or Chase Daniel. That was their thought process. Trust me, they would have preferred for Carson Wentz to go up and, and lead them to, to NFC Championship games and stuff like that and have Jalen Hurts sit on the bench. That was not the case. I understand that's the logic that everybody wants to jump to, but the reality of the situation is, one, they shouldn't be sold on Jalen Hurts at this point. 
He's got to face competition. You don't just hand the guy the job after four four starts. But what I will tell you is the locker room's heavily invested in this guy. Young wide receivers love him. Uh, the older guys love his competitiveness. They love his leadership. This is a guy who's going to go out there and earn it. Um, he is definitely built for Philly. Uh, when other quarterbacks, let's put it frank, were not. Um, and so I think these are different situations in the fact that the Eagles shouldn't have to just hand him the job. They don't owe him anything. They don't know Carson. They didn't know Carson wants anything either. This is a business at the end of the day. And if they saw the opportunity to upgrade over him, they should have looked into that opportunity. The bottom line is if you're not trying to get better, you're not trying to appease your fan base. The Eagles fan base constantly wants to get better. So sticking with the norm, if they don't think that he's going to be great, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, listen, that's uh, all very good cases in point. And I want to play because I know I know we have to let you go here momentarily, but I want to play uh, where we, we went with J-O-W for the initials here. I, I want to play the, the press conference from Jeremiah after um, his big day and what he had to say as far as the feeling of being in Philly. So I want to get your take on it, Mike, before we Speaking in terms of the Eagles, I think I fit out, you know, fit better than the other guys in terms of, um, my mentality going back to that um that the the eagles is a place that's um is a gritty place you, you got to be um you got to have some fierceness to you to, to survive in philly um you win in philly they love you if you lose in philly they hate you so uh, you got to be able to deal with that and you know coming from my background even here in notre dame you know what i mean it's a lot of uh, situations that you know i had to persevere through um and i think that you know, first and foremost, uh, my mentality prepares me uh, more than some of the other players in terms of Philly, um, in terms of my um, athletic ability, in terms of my um, physicality on the point of attack, um, physicality in terms of uh, block shedding. Um, you know, I, I think I excel in a lot of things um, if we're comparing um, other guys. But um, in terms of Philly, yeah, I think that's what uh, separates me. So I'm wondering how much homework did he do on the Eagles to understand the way the Philly fan base is. So, I mean, I, I love the answer. Don't get me wrong. But I, I'm wondering, does he feel maybe that maybe Howie will come calling? I mean, look, this is the draft. You've got to sell yourself, right? I mean, you're getting less opportunity. We talked about the fact-finding mission. You're getting less opportunities to sell yourself to scouts. I mean, I think, you know, I've been on all these Zoom calls. These Zoom calls can be snoozers, but man, that was a hell of a an answer. You know, um, last year, if you remember, Denzel Mims upset a lot of people by how he kind of, you know, down talked Philly. I mean, look, this is a tough right. place to play, but when you're winning, there's no better fan base, right? So I think I think some that's something you have to understand, and I, I think that's something agents really try to to explain to players is look, you know, this isn't going to be easy, but if you're successful and you're the guy as advertised, they'll love you. Look at how Jalen Hurts was treated after they beat the Saints. Um, I think this is a fan base that is always hungry for a winner. The issue is this is a three-year rebuild and a three-year rebuild doesn't make mean that you're, you're losing and you're a bad team. It means that you're building to sustain winning. And this this team, whether you want to look at the Chip Kelly era or 2016, those were not rebuilds. Those were those were reworkings. They didn't gut the the, the entire team and go on youth movements. This this city hasn't gone through a, a true rebuild since Andy Reid got here in '99. So it's about adapting to expectations. And I think you guys are right in, in your thinking that 
you know, this is, this is a team that is, I don't, I, I think calling it a punt year is wrong. I think they're going to try to compete. I think they'd love to win. I think they would love for Jalen Hurts to lead them to a 10-6 record. But I also think they have to be realistic. And, you know, we've learned from the NBA that, that you know, if you're not competing for a championship, what are you doing? Right. So you want to sustain winning. You want to be able to sustain success. And the reason why the Eagles weren't able to sustain success, they weren't good at developing players. They weren't good at drafting players and they were signing a bunch of old dudes. And, you know, you know, four of us on here are old dudes. I would say (laughs) we got the young pop right here. I mean, I'm probably the oldest of all of them, Uh, but but like, look at it this way. You guys have been around, you guys are around. We've been around. We saw the nineties. We saw, what the Ray Rhodes era brought on. And so then you look at how Andy Reid did things. They, they, Joe Banner and him, they rebuilt this team with young players with Lito. They got rid of Troy Vincent, the Bobby Taylors, all those guys, Broad and Lito Shepard, Sheldon Brown, Michael Lewis, uh, you know, Cher- Jeremiah Trier left for a while. They brought in Stuart Bradley. They brought in Moses Foku. Like they, throughout, throughout that era, they were constantly filling out the roster with young and old established talent. They were just getting old here because they couldn't develop anybody. So you've got to spend more money and you get yourself into this position where now you've got $6 million in cap space. You really can't sign anybody and you really have to rely on the 11 draft picks that you have. Yeah. Great case and everything. And yeah, we've, we've, you know, some of us have been around. I think the, maybe the oldest two are, is the guy right above me as well. Uh, we're very similar in age. <laughs> so uh, believe me, we've been around long enough, I think, to, to basically write a book as far as the experiences with the fans, with this team. I mean, we've seen all the ups and downs. We get it. We understand it. You know, Nick Sirianni's got a lot of work to do coming up here during the offseason before mm-hmm. the draft, obviously, during the draft, and then to start getting ready for the OTAs, all the good fun stuff. And then we wait to see, as Troy Vincent said, we're waiting to see what's going to happen with the COVID protocol, if the teams, when they're going to be traveling, for how many days, all the good fun stuff. But we hope at least the fans will be allowed back in the stands as it did today at Citizens Bank Park where the Phillies put off the win 3-2. to two. So we're hoping that, you know, everything can come back somewhat to our normal. It, it would be fantastic and even for you guys because i know it's hard for you guys to do the zoom calls versus being in the locker room with the players where you can get more stories and be more personal so i i i would imagine you as a reporter it's got to be tough just on the zoom factor alone because you guys have what i I would assume about 20 people but then you have to wait and they they take you guys in and out yeah it's basically like how you guys are interviewing me uh except without the long winded answers for me (laughs) they're more tight left right but um you know last year was a challenge but it it gets you if you're good at this job you you find new ways to to tell stories and you find new ways to appeal to a fan base and um i really enjoyed last year for a lot of different reasons i think it helped me you know change up my toolbox a little bit and right you know you we're always busy look uh i before i got into beat writing i was a draft analyst and uh, you know, I would start my draft studies the week after Thanksgiving. I've watched maybe 20 players so far this year because of the coaching search, um, you know, free agency, a lot of stuff going on. Right. So the Carson Wentz trade, every like it's there's never a dull moment here. <laughs> never. Um, you know, I, I told you guys off air, you know, I, I came from covering the Jaguars. The, 
it's co two completely different speeds. And um, I love writing for this fan base. I love covering this team. I love chatting with guys like you guys. I like being on these shows. Uh, and I, I appreciate you guys having me. No, oh, not a problem whatsoever. And if case, just so I can bring the screen back here momentarily, if you guys, and I'm going to bring down this one screen here temporarily with that uh, with a DJ, but if you guys want to follow Mike K, of course, it's Mike underscore E underscore K. Again, the Philadelphia Eagles beat report writer for the Arbors from, uh, from NewJersey.com and also the co-host, again, of the No Huddle Show, and you can look for it on iTunes. You can click on the link there, and it'll take you straight into the iTunes. And, and just as I do, we hope and encourage everyone as well to be able to at least follow Mike the way I do so you can get anything breaking from NewJersey.com, especially from Mike, and listen to the podcast. Again, I don't say things on here because I, I – listen, I'm, I'm a guy, Mike, and I'll tell you. I will tell you the way I exactly feel. I will never hype up anyone's show if I know it's complete and utter garbage. That's you can get 100% truth from me. But for the fans out there that want to listen into again a podcast where you can either drink Coke, wine, or a beer and get ready to get pumped up and just calm down a little bit and get, get that's the No Huddle Show. So by all means, listen to it on iTunes. Mike, we thank you for coming on tonight. I know you're extremely busy. We know we have to get back to work and doing other things along with the family. So thank you so much for coming on with us tonight. We really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a great discussion. Thanks. Happy Thank you Easter. so much, Mike. Appreciate it. Happy Easter. Thank you. Happy Easter. So, all right. Now I'm back with the guys who Sherman on the spotlight there. And and Nick, you know, it's not obviously to take away from you here. We had about 15 minutes with Mike, so we're trying to get as much as we possibly could get in there. Angel, um, it's all good. I, uh, I'm i excited to uh, chat with Mike. We had a great conversation off air. Um, just learned a little bit about what he wants to do, and hopefully I can uh, work my way to get him. He's very analytical, and he's very well-spoken in his responses, so we appreciated the time with him. No, no. Listen, we we try to, like you said, just it, it, it's to bring different people on to, to so everyone can get a perspective. Like, for example, Sherman did a great job with Rough Cuts Sportscast. Those guys, even though they're not Eagles fans, you know, they're not remotely anything in the NFC East fans. But what they talk about as far as the Jaguars and the Atlanta Falcons, but they do go around the NFL. They do a fantastic job doing what they do. And so Mike actually uh, tuned me in to those guys, and they do a good job. I mean, so we try to, to just like Mom, Mike has said off air with us, we try to network with other folks as well so everyone gets a different perspective. And same way with us. We're diehard Eagles fans, don't get me wrong. But we like to go around the NFL as well. At the end of last season, that's where we started. We started to do even more. This year will be no different. We'll start off with the Eagles, of course, because it is a hometown, our hometown team, even though I'm down here in Tampa. And then we'll still take it around the NFL. So we have everyone in tune in case we have folks from like Arizona and the West Coast, as far north as Canada, and even on the eastern side of the world, where we do have a couple of folks that tune in from Germany, which is pretty nice. So, well, <clears throat> Sherman. You brought up earlier, of course, the number four. Now, for those who didn't tune in earlier, could you re-explain again why you chose the number four, just like you chose what number last week? Number it, five. No, no, no. Well, last week it was number five. On, right. the, on the Tuesday audio show, and I encourage anybody who's watching the show tonight to go to our, our RSS feed and listen to the show that we had on Tuesday night. But I talked about the number 17. But the reason that I talked about four for tonight was for four reasons. Number one, we are in the fourth month. Number two, there are four weeks until the NFL draft. Number three, the final 
four in the NCAAs are set. Is anybody going to beat the Gonzaga team? Who knows? And finally, for Phillies baseball, number four, Scott Kingery, has been sent down to the minors. Yeah, that's true. And, and Sherman, did, did we find it surprising that he was going to be sent down to the minors? Because the talk was originally that he may, he may travel to team up to Philly, but a good possibility he would be sent back down to Clearwater. And also that it could be a possibility that he could be also traded as well. So I, I, I'd like to get your take to see what you think was going to happen with Scott Kingery. Well, they've invested a decent amount of money in him, and I think anybody in the tri-state area or nationally who wants to root for Kingery to succeed wants to see him succeed. But if you look at how bad he was last year in that COVID-shortened season, it was definitely a bad situation. And if you look at how he was performing in spring training this year, he just wasn't cutting the mustard. So I think that management needed to make the decision to help rectify his swing in the minors. And hopefully he'll be back up with the team at some point later in the year and be a major contributor to this team. Well, we did see, uh, and I'll get back here. So, whoops, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to bring in this comment as we continue to Philly's talk here. (laughs) Who wins the beer contest tonight? (laughs) That would be Neff. Ryan wound up winning that one because, uh, Sherman went with the young look. So if, if you guys, to, to kind of flash you back, of course, this is episode 40. We started with a little bit of music, and uh, it's not the way it, the audio should have come in. So we're going to give it a shot here in the, in the future. And I'm sorry if anybody got kicked off the Facebook feed because I always tend to forget as well. When you do play other music, you may end up getting kicked off momentarily. Then you have to come back because of copyright. So I did forget all about that. And that's why the music got cut off as well. So in case no one uh, got cut off there in the very beginning, that's one of the reasons why, but uh, the DJ and our, and us will end up talking about that afterwards. So hopefully everybody got to, got to taste a little bit of it and we'll, we'll fine tune it where I end up uh, being a little bit better. Cause again, it's episode 40. We're, we're very thankful for everyone tuning in and watching us for the 40 episodes, especially now with episode four, even on the audio side. And I will emphasize again, if you guys did not hear the Women's History Month episode, please go back and hear it. That was such a fun night. Yes, it may be two hours long, but I tell you what, it, you learned so much about all the ladies we had on. And it's, a, don't get me wrong, we talk about live sports and their lives in general. So it's not like, you know, it's a show where, oh my God, I have to hear a certain thing. No, it's a combined uh, plethora, I guess if you want to call it, of information from all the ladies. And it was a lot of fun. Even the Mrs. Shermanator was on that night and she gave us a lot of great insight to how she got her business started, her marriage to the professor and how it all got kicked off. So please go back and view that episode as well. So Women's History Month, look for it on her broadstreetshop.com. And I greatly appreciate it. So as I'm scrolling through here, the uh, the comments, Phillies look, you know, again, I, I will say for game one, pretty pretty solid. There was times where they, they can look a little iffy. We know, obviously, there's, what, 161 games to go. So it's not like we're, we're in, in dire straits. Today being April Fool's, uh, some people wish that the Phillies end up losing. Sherman and I, and I'm pretty sure like other fans, were hoping the Phillies would end up winning. So it's good to see the Phillies start off on the right foot. But I'm also interested to see between, you know, Ryan Nick and, and Sherman – this year, Girardi has a much better pitching staff than the season before. Do we expect, and we hope, and I use the term loosely, that all these guys will put in a great performance throughout the year, and it doesn't seem like anybody right now has been plagued 
by any injuries. So Sherman, I'll start with you first. The rotation that right now Girardi has, do you like the rotation or do you believe there's going to be adjustment as obviously we see other games going on in the season? Well, I think that Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler is your one, two, or a very solid punch uh, for this NL East and even for Major League Baseball. I think that a lot of pundits out there are putting a lot of stock in Zach Eflin, thinking that he's going to be some 15 to 17 game winner. And while he's had some shades of greatness in his career, it's not necessarily a foregone conclusion that he's going to be that guy. I, I think a lot of the season really depends on how well he does. If Eflin can be the guy, a 15 to 17 game winner, then yes, I think that the Philadelphia Phillies will be in business to contend for the wild card or maybe win the division. I, I'm just not sold that Zach Eflin is going to be that guy to be able to do it. I have concerns about the fact that Hector Neris has been named the closer instead of Archie Bradley. They specifically right. got Archie Bradley in the offseason. Why did they get him? They, they got him to be the closer, and he's not even closing to start the season. If you've watched some of the previous programs, I do not like Andrew McCutcheon in that leadoff spot. It doesn't mean that I don't like him. I think he should be batting sixth in the lineup. Take some pressure off of him. And I know that he led off with swinging at the first pitch and roping a single into right field. But you know what? If he swings at that first pitch and he ends up grounding out to second base, then all of a sudden it's like, Cuts, what are you doing? You're the leadoff guy. You're supposed to work counts. But getting back to your question, I think that the pitching overall is an upgrade from last year, so hopefully that'll help. But just watch out because the NL East has some bruisers in there between Atlanta, the Mets, the Nationals, and the Miami Marlins, who historically give the Phillies a hard time. It's true. Ryan? Uh, you know what, guys? I'm, I, I just, I'm old school. I never understood why. <laughs> Remember when we grew up, when we were younger, you had starters, then you just had a reliever. <laughs> And that was it. Now you've got relievers and closers, and then you got a setup guy in the seventh inning. And, you know, I just – I don't understand any of it. Um, it's Like Sherm said, it's definitely an upgrade from last year. Uh, I think where the Phillies might bump into some problems is in the bullpen. Um, you know, I just – I just believe with the way baseball is today and with the way rotations are and the way they've got, like I said, the relievers and the closers and, you know, you don't know who the hell is who anymore – and the setup guys for, for the closers. And, you know, if, if you've got a solid bullpen to go along with a decent pitching staff, I think it'll take you far. So I would like to see the Phillies bullpen step up. Um, so I'm going to see how it plays out maybe for the first month, month and a half. And then, you know, it's like Sherm said the other day, you know, maybe Girardi and the organization have to, go after another solid starter or like a top-notch shutdown closer somewhere just to bolster it. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to see, but it, it, it's like Sherm just said, it's, it's the staff that they have now is a hell of a lot better than it was last year. Wow. Um, so I, I personally, I am not a huge Phillies baseball watcher, but um to Ryan's point about the the fact that there's so many relievers is, I think, personally, probably one of the smartest things that teams are leaning towards nowadays. I mean, Aaron Nola, he's great, and he went six and two thirds. That was the that was like one of the highest amount of any pitcher today. I personally believe that you know the Phillies need a lot better of a bullpen. They have what maybe three, four solid guys, and I'm excited to see what Bradley can produce out of that bullpen. But for now. I'm very curious to see where the where the Phillies go. 
Um, Aaron Nola is obviously your solid number one. And then after that, honestly, it's just a big question mark. And can you win baseball games like that? I don't, I mean, I don't think so. I think they're going to have to rely on a, on a solid bullpen. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a guy out of the bullpen get dealt at the deadline. If, if Philly starts struggling really bad here and maybe they only have 40, 50 wins by the all-star break. So I'm very curious to see where the Phillies end up taking this route, but I, uh, I'm still a big question mark on that pitching staff. And I honestly would rely a lot more on the hitters. They can't score only two runs a game, three runs a game. I think they're going to win every single one. That, that lineup needs to step up. I mean, they have paid money for that lineup. And that lineup needs to do some big stepping up here. Yeah, I'm going to randomly this course comes to this question here because we know it's opening day all around the league. Uh, there's some late games because of the West Coast start. So I believe the White, Chicago White Sox don't start until 10 o'clock tonight, which then, of course, would be 7 o'clock on the West Coast. But opening day. So, and, and Nick, I'll, I'll start with you here. We know that, it, obviously, every year we go through spring training. We can't wait for all the baseball fields in America to be open again so we can go through, you know, it's grabbing whether it's a hot dog and beer, peanuts and beer, whatever it is that your choice of food or beverage as a kid, when you're growing up, most of us end up playing baseball. Some of us probably love it more than others if it's your choice of sport. But you end up having a lot of fun with the game itself. You get to meet your friends throughout high school. Maybe you try out for the team and you're able to progress through college and even possibly into the minors until you finally get to the majors. So as all of us here in this room, if you can share maybe what – opening day feels like to you or your experience if you've been to an opening day because I, I know it's kind of hard to put words together and uh, the reason why him to think to it because it's hard to put articles together real quick but speaking of articles if you guys go back and you look at broadstreetsouth.com Nick our beat writer put an outstanding article together and I want you guys and girls to go back and read through the article that he had submitted I mean, it is absolutely fantastic. So if you guys want to get into a good read, by all means, take a look at BroadStreetSouth.com. And, Nick, I do appreciate you sent, uh, putting out the article. It, excellent, excellent work by you. So, Nick, I want to go to you first. What is it? What does opening day, I guess, mean to you? Well, I want to start. I want to thank you for the shout-out on the article. I had a great time writing that one, and I'm excited to write my next one. Um, but opening day, it means a lot to me. Baseball was my first love. It was the first sport I played. and. Um, you know, today, uh, you know, I'm just a college student. Today, I got to sit in my dorm and I got to watch four hours of Yankees baseball today. And I got to watch, you know, Judge choke at the end. And I got to watch Gary Sanchez actually look like he remembers how to swing a bat again. So opening day, opening day means a lot because it, it's, a, it's a time I got to see some of my favorite athletes go. And I think now baseball is getting more and more flashy. And I'm loving watching these kids like Fernando Tatis Jr. and Ronald Acuna just light it up on the field. So. It, uh, it means a lot, and I'm very glad that I got the opportunity today to sit down, watch a little baseball, watch a little bit of the Dodgers-Rockies, and, um, you know, we're back. We're back. We're in baseball. we got seven months of this madness, and there's going to be a lot of injuries. There's going to be a lot of ups. There's going to be a lot of downs. It's, it's going to be so much fun just to get to watch all these guys play. That's true. Sherman? The red, white, and blue bunting. It looks so visually appealing on television. Walking into the stadium for that first time after a long fall and a long winter and just smelling the ballpark food and the ballpark and the ballpark beer and just the hope for every city that has a major league baseball team in the United States of America and any other city as well, because let's 
face it, in Omaha, Nebraska, I'm sure that there's people in that city who are rooting for a particular Major League Baseball team. And it's all about hope. That first game of the season where the stadium is packed, right, before COVID, right? There were only 8,800 people in the stadium today. Although in Colorado, Colorado, they had a full stadium today for the Dodgers-Rockies game. But still, yeah. it's it's that hope in the beginning of the year. Even if your team is slated to only win 65 games this year, Ryan's a big Pirates fan. He told me off air, well, my Pirates are out of it before the season even started. And look what the Pirates did today. They won. They're 1-0. Look, is it going to be the look, is it going to be the Pirates and the Phillies in the NLCS? Eh, probably not. But there's hope. At least for a couple days, there's hope until the bottom drops out. And that's what it's about. The weather's starting to get warmer. And it's a lot of first loves for a lot of people, right? I remember playing with my brother and Mike Fuji, you know, baseball, where we set up the long chair and the lawn chair was the strike zone, right? You, you throw that whipple ball and it hits the chair and you don't swing that strike one. It's fantastic. Love it. And the Phillies are 1-0. Let's keep it going. All right. Ryan? Well, for me, when I was a whole lot younger and when baseball was baseball before the whole free agency and all the inflated contracts or whatnot, I mean, baseball to me was right around the corner. It was warmer weather. It was getting together with your friends and uh, throwing the ball back and forth. It was taking batting practice with your friends. It was uh, the camaraderie, the, the team concept learned at an early age. Um, but it was the, almost the end of the school year. You know, the summer was right around the corner. You know, the smell of the grass coming in, the smell of the leather, you know, uh, you know, from your baseball mitt. You know, now we used metal bats, obviously, in uh, Little League and, uh, and, and high school or whatnot. So, you know, it was, it was the cling, you know, coming off the bat. So, you know, just, just those types of things that, like, take you back on opening day. But, you know, and then with opening day, if you watch, it's – it's the crack of the ball off the wood. It's the it's the flat of the baseball, you know, hitting the catcher's mid with a 95 mile an hour fastball. So, um, you know that that's what it meant to me, you know, when I was younger growing up. Not as much today, but um, you know, when I was growing up and baseball was baseball, as far as I was concerned, that's what it uh, that's what it meant to me. I know for I will speak obviously for myself here and and. As a kid, when you, when you watched them on TV, and and if for us we were fortunate because there was a baseball field not that far away from our house, so it when you started learning the fundamentals of baseball, like you figure out what was going on. Obviously, there's a ball, there's a bat, there's a glove. You put that concept together, they got a baseball game going on. The more you hung out with your friends at the ballpark, it was almost like and good lord, am I drawing a blank when it comes to the movie? What's our throwback movie here? The Sandlot. There you go. So you get kind of that feeling with the Sandlot where you get friends together. You, that's when you start kind of meeting more of your fan base. If you were a nerd like I was when I was a child, and Nerd Central was great at baseball field because that's where you met other nerds. And it was great because you can pull out stats and talk about who's betting average and what. And then as you you know grow older, you become you know an adolescent there into a teenager, and you start loving the game more. Then you start wishing, man, I, you know, I wish I could be the next Mickey Mantle. You know, I wish I could be the next Babe Ruth. All these guys, Roberto Clemente, why can't it be like those guys? Well, because some people are fortunate to make it in the majors. Some don't. But you see the progress from these guys from the minor leagues to major league. And then when you get that first experience in a baseball field, like I, I got at Veterans Stadium, you walk in there and everything encapsulates. Meaning that from a child 
from learning the game until you walk in through those gates and you look around, you're pretty much in awe because like, wow, this is what it takes just to be a fan in a place like the vet. And then once Citizens Bank Park opened up, same thing. You know, if you were, if you're weren't young enough to be at the vet. So for me, it's, it's just like Sherman said as well. You know, it's the smell of the hot dogs. It's that ballpark feel. It's knowing that the Phillies are going to come out from center field and take them steps and go right out, you know, onto the field, you know, take the American flag out. Like everything that builds up leading up to it, we're coming out of the winter season, going into spring, you know, everything's starting to change, flowers starting to blossom. So it, it to me, it's so iconic that you came, it's, it's hard to describe. But this year, more than anything else, as we saw last year, it was taken away from us because of the wires. It's nice, even if the if Citizens Bank Park wasn't sold out, it was nice to actually see fans versus cardboard cutout. And I'm pretty sure the pandemic crew had a lot of fun out there today when they were able to join the facilities out there. So, you know, still at the age of 15, it, it's, it seems like opening day should be almost like for an entire week. Yes, we know there's opening day, opening night, an entire opening week. But opening day should happen at least every day for one week, which it feels like for me. But that that's kind of like my take with opening day. So I, I absolutely love it. And I see Joey has here the MLB All-Star Game should bring back the two teams playing in their home and away uniforms. Add the pageantry of that game in baseball. Which, good point there, Joey, because I, I will ask this question as we have a couple minutes left here. Sherman, and we know we, we, they took away the uh, DH rule for this year, right? What The one thing I don't like, and I think they should take it away from the All-Star game, is the winner, the one who wins the All-Star game, gets to obviously host when it comes throughout the playoffs. So if the American League wins, the American League team, whoever wins, you know, obviously blah, 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 gets to host it throughout. And then the NL. It, I haven't heard of any change at least that I know of, do you still think that it should be home field advantage during the All-Star game? It's a completely ridiculous rule. The All-Star game is Thank an you. exhibition. The team that should get home field in the World Series every year is the team that had the best overall regular season record. Period. End yeah. of story. If you want to go back and forth similar to what they're doing in the NFL with week 17 where AFC is hosting the extra game this year and the NFC is hosting the game next year, I get it. I guess you could do that because you're talking about a regular season game. But as far as the World Series going, and it's all based upon which team wins in an exhibition is completely ludicrous to me. Completely. Yeah. Nick, how do you feel about it? Um, so I, I do believe they, they actually did change that. Um, I think they changed it in 2016 that they got rid of that rule. Um, but in terms of the all-star game, I think they could do a lot better, um, in terms of making it an entertainment event. I think MLB is a, like, it's, it's not behind the Pro Bowl because the Pro Bowl is the worst, one of the worst events alive. But in terms of MLB all-star game compared to an NBA all-star game, they can, you know, I'd love to see MLB put on their captains, captains draft their team, you know, just screw it around, have fun. And, and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe put like the, you know, the, the donations, the charity, and we see the NBA do it with the social injustice movement. Mm -hmm. MLB, maybe take a cause that you care about right now. Asian American hate is huge right now. That is, that is huge right now. So why don't you MLB say, Hey, let's donate $50,000. Let's donate a hundred thousand dollars to these two charities 
And based on who wins in each inning, we'll throw out another $50,000 to wherever you want to, you know, whatever charity you want to donate to, whether that's most pitches taken or most pitches thrown. Just pick a little fun little prop and donate to charity more. But I think that will be all-star game could definitely be more entertaining and it could be a, a more exciting event to watch other than just just a couple guys just playing in regular game of baseball. Yeah. Ryan, your take. Oh, no, I've always sort of been on the, the, the defense about it. I know that it, it's a lot different than the other sports. Um, I, I've always thought the all-star game should have been just on a rotation. Um, I've never bought into the whole general rule about, you know, World Series winner gets to do this and X, Y, and Z. I've just always thought – you know, why should other parks be missing out on the all-star experience? Right. Um, and so, you know, the cities be missing out on that. I know it would take forever and a day, but I just always thought that one year it should be in St. Louis and then the following year, maybe in San Francisco and the following year, you know, down in the Astrodome. I just always thought there should be a rotation of stadiums, you know, across the board just to, just to get other cities involved, you know, so that they can experience it rather than, the way it's been, you know, if the NFL is going to have a, you know, all of a sudden a, a 17th game after a 16 game schedule for 43 years, why not, you know, baseball needs to come up with something better than what they already have. Like I just, you know, that's where baseball, like I said, it's, it, it's lost me over the years with some of the stuff that they've done that I just don't understand it. And I don't get it. Well, Mark's got a question here. He says, you would love to hear our picks as far as for national league and American league champions, uh, champs here. Even though it's the beginning of, of the season, um, one blowout today was, or actually they're still playing at the top of the ninth. The Royals and Rangers, 14 to 10. Right now, the Royals are on top of the Rangers. I do believe. I, do. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? I, I, said, I said the mic earlier in the day when it was like 8 7 in like the third inning. I'm like, just watch the Rangers Royals game. I wind up like 21 17. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, it might be getting there right now. Oh, it's definitely man. a football score at 14-10. Um, and, and I do believe the Texas Rangers also, today they they packed the entire stadium. But then, what is it, starting night for first night, they're going on to like 2,000 fans, which I thought was kind of bizarre. So you sell out game day. You know, and, and again, I don't know. It, we know COVID is still out there. So it's almost like – so you have COVID – is not available on Thursday, but it's available on Saturday. It's kind of like my little take on it because you have all these people packed around you. We know we're wearing masks. We're doing all the safe things that we're supposed to have. Don't get me wrong. And again, I'm not knocking COVID. Anyone who's had it, I hope that you've made a full recovery from it. Um, but it's kind of odd that they, they would do a complete sellout today, even though they can't open up the roof over there. But they do a complete sellout today, and then Saturday night, they just decide to do their their own little thing where it's kind of like backwards. But whatever well, that is. Yeah. Angel, let me let me let me uh, throw out a little support for the for the Rangers here. They just built a new stadium, if I'm not mistaken, and I believe uh, Texas is one of the like most loose states when it comes to these requirements. Right. So for for the Texas Rangers, if you're going to fully sell out on a Thursday, that those ticket prices are going to be super high because it's a brand new stadium. You know, it's the first time that they're letting a full packed house. They want everyone to feel that environment. And then once that Saturday comes and they realize, oh, wait, these, this is the Texas Rangers we're watching here. And these guys aren't that great. Then you go, OK, well, we're still going to keep these ticket prices super high because it's a super exclusive event. And then you also can say, OK, well, once game time comes around and 
everyone kind of realizes like, oh, wait, these, these are the Rangers we're watching here, and we're getting like a third-level starter, a second-level starter here. Then you can say, okay, now we can wait until game time, try to sell as many tickets as possible, and then immediately try to drop the ticket price as fast as you can and try to get more fans in that, in that stadium and fill the seats as best as you, best as you possibly can. No, I, I, I don't know. I, again, I may feel different from what everyone else is, is feeling right now with COVID. I'll keep that person to my own self. But I, I hope just that everyone does the right thing wherever stadium they go to, whichever state they go to. I know Florida, it's getting lower, a little more lax, obviously, because there's ton, tons and tons of vaccinations going on down here. So now it's finally getting to that little bit of the comfortable stage, not to the point where they've eased up on everything, but at least now where it's getting a little more comfortable where people can just breathe a sigh of relief a bit more, even though they do say there's a four string that, that's going around. So um, the Rockies and Dodgers are also eight to five. And interesting if the Padres, as I'm looking at the score here, eight to seven when it comes to Arizona Diamondbacks, if I had to go with someone right now, to answer a March question, as far as on American League, the Rays were there last year. I don't think the Rays going to have a repeat performance like the way they did last year. And, of course, they came up short to winning the World Series. If I had to pick, pick someone right now for the American League, I think San Diego's got a good shot this year to winning the American League Championship. So, Sherman, I guess you can go here next as far as from the AL side, who do you believe would end up winning the AL Championship this year? Well, from the AO, it's going to be the Yankees. And for the NL, it's going to be San Diego. That's my opinion. Yankees, oh. San Diego for the World Series. San Diego yeah. will be competing with the Dodgers for that first place spot. Uh, the Dodgers are really good at this point. Uh, but I think that San Diego will be able to compete with them for a majority of the season. And even if they get in to the playoffs as a wild card team, they've made some nice additions to that pitching staff. And we know the pitching wins championships. I'm going Yankees Padres. I know that the Yankees lost today, but. It's 162-game season. Right. Yeah, and, and it's true because, sorry, brain fart there. Yes, San Diego National League team. The Yankees, I was going to flip back to the Yankees, but Sherman, I, I agree completely. I think the Yankees will pick up right where they left off last season, so I, I will agree there wholeheartedly. Nick, your pick for American League National League. Um, so I'm a huge Yankee fan. Been diehard since day one. Watched Derek Jeter's 3,000th live. Um, but I honestly, I have zero confidence in my fellow Yankees. They are... Their bullpen is worse than it was last year. Voight's now out till June. I watched Jay Bruce hit today. He might be the worst hitter I've ever seen in my life. Um, the, the Yanks, I really hope they can make it back. But I really don't think they got a chance. I honestly, I'd like to see um, if the Astros can repeat, can try to get back there because they're, you know, somehow they always get back there. And I, uh, I really like this Blue Jays squad. They got, they got a nice young group. They got Vlad Guerrero. They got um, Bo Bichette and they and Bo didn't look great today, but I mean the Blue Jays are looking real right now. And I honestly I would I would probably take the Blue Jays in the American League and in the National League I definitely would have to take the Dodgers. Kershaw looked he looked okay today and he looked good enough to for me to think oh yeah he'll turn it back on in September. And it's the it's the Dodgers. They got Trevor Bauer, they got Clayton Kershaw, they got Walker Buehler. They have the best rotation in the league. And honestly, their rotation is so good that they have some of the best bullpen pitchers in the league as well. well interesting as far as the Blue Jays. Of course, the Blue Jays can't play at home because Canada still has a restriction and the boys can't come back. They can leave and not come back, just like the Raptors have finished off the rest of their season here in Tampa. So they've they've had, uh, I think now they're 
fifth game with fans in a stand after they started their first game with fans in a stand. So their fans are finally getting back there. So Toronto will play in their high school upgraded stadium in Dunedin. And uh, I, I think I have some, some pictures I'll send to you guys. But uh, interesting enough, they did a nice job as far as upgrading the ballpark. But when you go there, it does give you a high school feel as far as the team. So I'm pretty sure it's going to be a lot of home runs being knocked out of that park. Uh, so interesting enough. But the teams will enjoy the area. It's really nice uh, for sure. So, Ryan, your choice, AL and L. Well, I normally <laughs> go way out on a limb just because, like, 90% of the people will go chalk. Uh, I'm a little bit, little bit worried about the Dodgers just from the standpoint of it's, it, it's hard to make it back two years in a row. Um, San Diego has a lot of firepower. Um, I'm a little bit worried about their pitching staff. You know, uh, they're going to be competing with the Dodgers. Um, so I'm going to go way out on a limb in the National League, and I'm going to say St. Louis makes it from the National League. Um, under the radar a little bit, you know, it's just a hell of an organization for baseball. It's always run well. You know, they – that's my pick. I'm going out on a limb. And in the American League – I'm also going to go out on a limb because everybody's picking the Yankees or, you know, the Indians are up and coming and this, that, and the other thing. Everybody's got the Astros making it. I'm going to Oakland A's. So I'm going to say it's going to be the A's against the Cardinals in the World Series because that's just what I do. I just I go way, way, way over here other than chalk because it just mixes it up a little bit. There you go. Uh, Mom agrees. Go Cardinals. So the, she, she agrees wholeheartedly. And that's to me, that's amazing. So what was the word that we used? I don't know if it was Sherman or not. When We talked about uh, betting, but it was for entertainment, entertainment purposes only. For entertainment purposes only. There you go. So uh, if you guys have Monopoly money, uh, bet on what Ryan just said and, and just you know bet the house. Throw, throw in your whole Monopoly <laughs> money because it's for entertainment purposes only. I, I want to get back here before we end the show. Uh, Sherman with – we talked about it, and we're going to flash back here to the Eagles. We talked about the number 17 on the Tuesday night audio show. We know that the NFL has incorporated now 17 games into the season. So game number 17 will be played on the road in Indianapolis, if I remember correctly. Um, the schedules have not come out yet, but okay. we do know that the extra game that the Philadelphia Eagles will be playing whenever that's scheduled will be at the New York Jets. Oh, okay. All right. Because so, we were in last place and the Jets were in last place. All right. Sorry. So I stand corrected. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate it. Um, so <laughs> adding adding game 17, Sherman, do, do we feel – would it be a benefit and, – and I know we talked about it briefly here on, on the Tuesday night show. Do we then take away a game away from the preseason? Do we take away all games away from the preseason – or do we add, which, of course, I don't know what the, what the NFL is going to do as far as the league, do we add an extra bye week to make the players happy? To, hey, by the way, we know you're not getting paid extra for Week 17 this year, but it was discussed two years ago. What do we do to make the players happy and, I guess, also make the fans happy? Well, I think if you're going to make the fans happy, then you want to have more games that actually count. Um I honestly think for entertainment purposes, if it wasn't for those entertainment purposes, I think that football might be a dead sport. 
in this country. It's still the most popular of the four, but you know, you throw those entertainment purposes in there as well as fantasy football leagues. If it wasn't for that, I think that there would be a lot of people who wouldn't be viewing as often. And if you don't believe me, you know, next time you're watching a football game, you know, observe the people who are in the bar or at your home uh, with, you know, their entertainment purposes that they're involved in. So I think to make the fans happy, they would probably want to see more football games that count. But for the people who are actually getting paid, you know, I don't think that they want to be getting paid the same amount of money to be playing 17 games instead of 16 games. So it's really going to be something where they have to come up with a happy medium. And as Ryan has talked about on this show before, don't be surprised if you see some phantom injuries coming up for some of these players who are getting paid a lot of money. Because, look, they put it all on the line every single week. And all of these players are one hit away from potentially ending their career on a freak hit. You just never know. You're right on that behalf. And and I, the reason why I kind of went back to this one as well, because Ducky, and, and by the way, hello to Ducky, Tom, Joey, all you guys who tune in, Mark, uh, Mom, Lisi. We, of course, we saw with go cards here. So, Ducky says, Do you think? And I was trying, and as I was flipping through earlier, he says, Do you think that Joe Flacco will, uh, this year, what number will he wear this year? So, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think what Flacco have worn in the past. I don't even know what's available this year. Um, I don't know. Didn't he wear <laughs> seven before? I don't, I'm, or, um, he, he wore five. That's right. It was number five. Um, I, I don't think he'll get number five. Yeah, I don't think he'll wear number five either. No. Um, so we'd go with four. I think he'll pay for it. He'll pay for it. Really? He'll pay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Zero. I think he'll, no, I think he'll pay. I, I mean, I even, even if he tries to pay for it, the fact that McNabb played for the Eagles for so many years wearing that same number, I think that'll be a really tough sell. Um, how funny uh, would it be if, if well, how how funny true. would it be if Wentz ended up wearing number eleven? Um, but I don't know. Oh, I, I, yeah. I I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I guess we would need to go down the line. Let me take some time to think about that, and then I'll try to you know make my selection for that. I guess my selection would be number eight at this point, but that's not really based upon any major merit. At this point. Well, well, for Wentz, uh, he can't wear eleven um, because Michael Pittman, uh, one of the receivers, is wearing eleven, and Michael Pittman came out publicly and said, "Carson Wentz, you will not get my you will not get my number. Screw you! I don't care how much money you pay me." So he, Carson Wentz, I believe, is number two, um, yeah. and for Joe Flacco wearing five, unless Donovan McNabb's jersey is retired on the Eagles, which I'm not sure if it is or not. I, if I was John, I'd be like, screw it. I'm wearing number five. I, I honestly don't care. I'll be here for like a year and then I'll get, I'll get out. So it's like, like, screw it. Why not? Why not wear number five? Yeah, you know, it's a very interesting discussion when you talk about numbers. And I would love for the fans to chime in with this as well. Think about the Philadelphia Phillies. There are three people have who have worn the number 10 during their stints with the Phillies. And all three of these people are prominent players. Number one, Larry Boa. Who won the who wore the number 10? Number two, rest in peace, Dutch Dalton, who wore the number 10. And number three, our current catcher, JT Real Muto, who's on the five-year uh, contract, who's also wearing the number 10. When the smoke clears and all is said and done, who do you think will be most remembered and adored 
for wearing that number 10 in Philadelphia for the Phillies. I'd be curious to hear what the fans have to say. I think that Boa's number could have been retired, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't, and I get it. Um, But I'd be curious to hear what people have to say about that. That's true. I did. Good point. And and by the way, you can leave the comments. If you don't get the chance to do it tonight here, you can leave it on the website and, and you can just go under the comment section and put it up there. What Sherman just asked. So by all means, utilize the website as much as possible here. Broadstreetsouth.com. That's broadstsouth.com. Well, again, we'd like to thank DJ Bing Brizzy, which we were hoping to get a little bit of a better rock. But again, things happen when you do it for the first time. Things get a little bit rough. Um, unfortunately, the feed on the website stopped because if I had my thinking ring on tonight, I do didn't tend to forget that depending on what kind of license you have, you can play the music. So the, the feed stopped because of the music playing. So the next time around, we'll work things out and make it a little bit better. So, but it happens. It's what makes all this stuff just the, the melting pot of what is Broad Street South. So we'll, we'll get back to, we'll get DJ back on. And, and we'll just mix it up. We'll make it a little bit better. We'll fine-tune it, and everything will be okay. But, again, Tuesday night when we had our, our show, he did make an intro for us. Next Tuesday will be a complete different intro. And the idea is for the fans, for you guys, to be able to vote on it and which intro you think will be best. And if you guys missed that cut, again, go back to BroadStreetSouth.com. Look for it under iTunes, Google Podcasts, and, and or – excuse me – Spotify, so you guys can listen to the audio portion of the show from Wednesday, and you'll hear the actual intro, what uh, DJ Bing Busy, uh, Brizzy did for us, a.k.a. Mike West, and we do thank him for it. Of course, we also thank Mike K for coming on with us from NewJersey.com, the Eagles Beat Reporter, and also the co-host of the No Huddle Show, so thanks for Mike. Ryan, we thank you for filling in for the on assignment, Mike Fuji, and, and the poor guy, I'm pretty sure he's going to come back home. And you would think he'd come home to warmer temperatures, but it's cold back in Philly. And it's going to be cold, I guess, this weekend, if I, if I looked at the forecast correctly. Uh, it's gonna, yeah, it's going to warm up a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So, if not, you know, he can always swing by Tampa, warm up, and then head back up north. But he's doing a fantastic job with the Alaskan field hockey team. And I'm pretty sure he's going to have some exciting news of what goes on with that team over there. So, we're dying to hear what's going to happen. Sherman, I thank you so much for coming on. And, by the way, could you please tell us about Burke's Boutique? Oh, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to have the plug. My wife runs a boutique. It's called Burke's Boutique. If you go to burksboutique.com, she sells women's clothing, all sizes. Check it out. She has a giveaway that's going on tonight. So right after this show, if you want to log on to there and see what she's giving away, check it out. B-U-R-K-E-S-B-O-U-T-I-Q-U-E.com. Oh, thank you, Mike. And of course, Nick Ollis Lisi. Uh, Nick, for short, for those of us who have gotten to know him. Uh, by the way, do not let him fool you. Once again, Trevor Lawrence, we try to get him in the background. He wasn't available tonight. We understand Trevor, you're getting ready. It's pro day, all the good fun stuff. But uh, Nick, thank you so much again for the article, for coming back on with us. And of course, you're always welcome to come back. We know you have a lot of stuff going on here with Clemson, but I, I want to get the feel too before we sign off here. It, even though, you know, it's we make fun, obviously, of your roommate, which is not Trevor Lawrence, but we're going to say that he is until the day that you vacate the premises. What's the buzz around campus as far as, you know, we're, we know we're leading up to the pro days, we're leading up to the draft. What's the feel like there in Clemson? 
Uh, it feels, honestly, I'm just really glad I'm able to be on campus. Uh, Trevor's Pro Day was, I, I want to say, two or three weeks ago. Um, he just recovered from shoulder surgery. And we just figured out last week that he's actually going to be here watching the draft live with his family and his, uh, his current fiance. So incredibly proud of what he's doing. And I um, and our spring game is actually this Saturday. So I know a bunch of people who are going to end up going to that game. And it's going to be a fun time to, you know, get to football again. Actually, I got an email trying to get season tickets they want me to get season tickets for Clemson football this year so it's uh it's super exciting on campus right now the vibes are immaculate and I can't wait to uh see these uh young guys come in for Trevor and Travis Etienne and the rest of the squad and and uh prove to everyone why Clemson football is the best football you can get Angel oh. just just real quick sure <clears throat> the whole buzz around Lawrence but I wanted to pick uh Nick's brain what what's the buzz around ATN where he might go in the draft or what what teams might be interested? That's that's a very good question. Um, around campus, none of us really talk about Travis ETN. I um I, I actually haven't heard too much about him, but in my opinion, I think he's a mid second rounder. I think a lot of teams don't agree with that. I think a lot of teams are thinking late first on him. Uh, Travis really struggled last year running the football. Um, his his running uh, you can blame it on the line. You can blame it on him doesn't matter he um he really struggled and he fumbled i want to say at least three or four times uh and sometimes in some big moments he fumbled the ball so i personally think he's a mid-second round pick i think he's going to be a great pass catcher out of the backfield he worked on that a lot going into his uh senior year so uh, travis right now i think is a mid-first round pick and i'd be excited to see if the packers take him because you know they just lost jamal williams and uh, i think an aaron jones Travis Etienne backfield would be kind of fun to have and have Travis be that kind of pass catcher, learn under A.J. Dillon, and have a good time doing that. So I personally think Travis would be great there, and I think he'd be great anywhere that a team wants a running back and a guy who's a real family guy and wants to instill that family-like culture into their into their locker room. Great. That's good stuff there. And, of course, we can't forget also Fans of Philly, the official sponsor of Broad Street South. Fans of Philly, if you guys want to travel like a champion, by all means, please go to fansofphilly.com. Sherman, on our last episode, of course, had an interesting story when it came to his travel woes when it went to Boston. It's funny because I did rehear the podcast afterwards on the audio side to make sure the audio was good. So if you guys want to hear about that travel, go back again to the website, listen in on from uh, Tuesday night. Sherman, if I remember correctly, we talked about that. Yeah, it was Tuesday night towards the end of the show. I don't know have the exact time as to when it happened, but it was towards the end of the show. But listen to the whole show because it was absolutely fantastic. But if you specifically want to hear that story, fast forward towards the end of the show. Yep, that's true. So, But also, if you guys are looking for a great package to put together, call, either call – excuse me, if I can get the words out of my mouth here – Joe at 610-517-7171 and or email Joe at fansofphilly.com and let them know what kind of package you want to put together here for, again, they're going up to Boston, they're going to New York. The Eagles were waiting to see what, you know, the entire schedule is going to be in because there's a Vegas trip. There's also a Denver trip. So there's different trips going on. The Flyers, (laughs) maybe not so much because – they're going in the wrong direction as we're coming off on playoff hockey, but hopefully they'll come back to the right direction. And if they do, hey, book your flight with fans of Philly in the entire package so you guys get the room, the bus, the ticket, the whole nine yards. Visit fansofphilly.com. Of course, you can click on the link through our website at broadstreetsouth.com. So, gentlemen, I see one more comment here before I end up uh, signing off here. Uh, Juru's Boston Experience, yeah. 
So <laughs> David knows all about it. So it, again, thanks to everyone tonight for tuning in into the show. We do appreciate everyone for always tuning in. This was episode 40. Again, we apologize at the very beginning. If anyone got kicked off whatsoever, because I do forget that YouTube and Facebook, of course, for copyright purposes, kicked it off because of the music, but we'll get it all straightened out so you guys can enjoy more music here uh, in the future. We will see everyone, of course, live next Thursday. Next Tuesday, we'll have another audio show that will be released next Wednesday, but you guys can catch all of that stuff, the replays, everything else on BroadStreetSoft.com. So for Nick, Ryan, for Sherman, I'm Angel. Thanks for watching. We'll see everyone next week. Mm -hmm.